Good morning. There's a, a tension in today's gospel and really within the readings themselves because as we just, those final verses that we heard about, uh, heard, right, there's a cutting off that oftentimes needs to take place for the sake of salvation, whether that's of an individual, of ourselves, whether it's within our own family and making sure that uh, everything is, is safe there, whether it's the church at large, there's oftentimes a purging, a cutting off that needs to take place. And yet, at the same time, that purging or that cutting off, also we have to be careful with it. Right? Because the other thing that we're warned about from the first reading today, in the case of these two men, Eldad and Medad, and, and ultimately how Joshua responds to them when they receive the Spirit, even though they weren't part of the group, or when we look at the beginning of today's gospel where we see John who um, saw someone driving out demons in, in Jesus' name and, and then tries to stop him, is that even though we're called to at times cut out and to purge, we also, we also have to be weary of an exclusivity. Right? Because... If we fall into the trap of exclusivity, then we fall really into a trap that spans not only our our Christian faith, but also that of the Jews. It's a cancer, and it can be a cancer when we ultimately, as a corporate group, say that other Protestant denominations or other Christians don't have some of the gifts that the Spirit has given us in the fullness as we believe as Catholics. As as Cardinal George once said, though the Catholic Church has all the gifts that Christ wanted his people to have, it doesn't mean that other Christian communities don't exercise particular gifts better than we do at times. Oftentimes, perhaps, you have been, uh, um, unfortunately, someone who has perhaps made fun of the, the, the Mormons, and even though they're not technically Christians, or of, the, uh, <clears throat> of, of, of other faiths that actually take missionary activity and go door-to-door, um, there's something beautiful and something marvelous about that when we sit back and recognize, because oftentimes we just confine ourselves to our own places, to our own homes, and are unwilling to step out of our space of comfort. And they themselves, trying to proclaim the good news of of Jesus or of salvation, whatever it may be, are doing something extraordinary. And oftentimes, something better than we do as Catholics. But this false notion of exclusivity or whatever you really want to call it, it's not just on a, a corporate scale too, or even perhaps even within our own parish community here. But it's also within the individual itself. And that's what the, the readings today hark upon. That oftentimes there's individuals within the Catholic Church that have gifts or they have the time necessary to serve and to minister to, to others. But again, those gifts and that time are not just exclusive to them. Right? And so from one end of the spectrum... Right? They oftentimes can fall into that trap of thinking 
I'm the only one really called. The opposite, though, brothers and sisters, is also true. From the other end of the spectrum, there's the temptation for us to think, particularly those who perhaps Sunday Mass is the only thing that they really feel that they have the time for, uh, whether that's true or not. Right? There's, there's that temptation from the other side of the spectrum to think that there's only this other group out here that is supposed to be doing the will of God. It's only this group over here that's supposed to be able to and has the time or has the money or has the talents to speak on behalf of Christ and his church. And that too is equally wrong. What we need to recognize, brothers and sisters, is that to be Christian in itself is to be called in a particular way as a member of Christ's body to greatness. A greatness that, as we heard last week, Jesus conveying to his own disciples is a greatness that is exercised in service. Who is the greatest among you? Those who serve. This service, as we know, begins first and foremost within the family and the home, and it's carried on in and by members of the church and within the community and other organizations that that, that you associate yourselves with. But no one, brothers and sisters, at the heart of today's gospel and the heart of today's first reading, no one is exempt from the vocation by God, the vocation that each one of us received within our own baptism. Each of us is called. No one is exempt from serving the Lord in some way. And with that call from the Lord is the great recognition, hopefully on our behalf, that if He's going to call us, He's not going to call us to do something that we cannot do. With that call comes the promise of gifts. Gifts that will aid us within whatever the mission the Lord has us, has in mind for each one of us. And while I can't confirm for each one of you today whether uh, you're reaching the people that you should be within the church or on the fringes of the church or the people within your own community or the people within your own family, I can't say that you should be starting with those right next to you, those which we would call our neighbors. And moreover, I I would challenge you today to do an inventory of how it is that like Medad and Eldad, you're prophesying, or whether that's this someone that, that John is, is, is trying to prevent, whether you yourself are living out your Christian vocation to holiness, to greatness, to service. The surest way for each one of us to discern and to make an inventory, as perhaps many people today are making inventories of all that they've lost, Due to the hurricane, the surest way to discern the fruits of your own Christian labor is to reflect upon what are those fruits. Can you identify those fruits within your own life with the people that you are interacting with? As I was praying with these readings this week, um, uh, an experience I had almost 20 years ago came to to, to mind. Um, I was a a senior in, in high school and um, um, I was over in, in the United Kingdom and in, in England uh, on the way to, um, uh, to Rome for World Youth Day in 2000. 
and uh, um, we were part of a group called Youth for the Third Millennium, and uh, it was somewhat of a, a retreat, some, some type of a, a mission trip too as well, and we were going door to door um, uh, to, to, to talk about our faith uh, to, to people just um, that we know were associated with the parish uh, that we were staying at. And um, um, as I was walking through the streets with, with the two other guys, the, this little kid who couldn't have been more than five or six years old um, started shouting the most obscene profanities and making some of the most obscene gestures and, uh, at, at, at us. And uh, I mean, it's, it was so startling. I, I still remember it quite vividly to this day. I don't remember what the, the guy's, you know, the, the child's face was like, but I, I, I still can't explain what exactly was taking place within this kid, whether this was something demonic that was taking place. Uh, and I was thinking about even praying for the, the, kid, the kid today um, and this week, wondering what was it that was possessing this kid? What were his kid's parents like? What were his kids and the people that were interacting him? Were his parents even in the picture? I don't know. But I prayed for him. I don't know, again, who was in his life, but obviously there was some spiritual disturbance that was taking place here. Contrast that with something else that I experienced or went back to reflect upon this week. I had a wonderful family that um, I oftentimes would, would spend when I was uh, doing seminary formation in St. Louis. And uh, uh, they had a number of kids. And as part of their, their Sunday ritual of having a meal together, they also uh, prayed the rosary together. And uh, another little kid, a little kid, three years old, Xavier was his name. And what was so beautiful about Xavier was not that he stumbled through the Hail Marys um, as, he, as he tried to say them. He twisted the words and, and whatnot. It was a severe contrast to the first story I just told you about. His kids weren't, this wasn't a, a pony show that his kids were putting him on, 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 uh, on show to, to impress, you know, the priest, you know, that their three-year-old knew how to say these prayers and, and could say the, the rosary in, in some uh, archaic form. Um, but there was something truly beautiful about that experience, truly beautiful about that experience that I witnessed on a monthly basis as I went over there to be with them. And yes, he was choppy with his words, but little by little, as the months went on, I, I saw him get more clear and more distinct. And I know, I know firsthand what his parents, not perfect, not saints, by, by any means, and they would tell you that, that they wouldn't be scandalized that I was, was even telling the story today. <laughs> not saints, by any means but taking a concerted effort because of their own Christian vocation as a married couple and trying to have a Christian family. Great goodness that began by serving and teaching their kids within the faith. Something that clearly contrasts with what that kid I experienced in the UK was experiencing and witnessing to. Brothers and sisters, Take an inventory today as you take an inventory of the destruction within this town, within this area of South Carolina. Take a personal inventory. How is it that you're living up to your great vocation? 
Have you accepted that you have a great vocation to the Christian faith? That each one of us is called to be stewards of our time, our talent, and our treasure to build up the church, to build up the body of God. To not claim that we are the only ones that have a mission, but also, contrarily, and, and, and to the opposite, not to claim from the other side of the spectrum too as well, that no, it's, it's not for us. In this Eucharist, may you be strengthened and receive that Christian vocation once again to serve in greatness.